now, say now. You're tuned in to the Wake Up and Win podcast, and I am your host, Devon Pouncey. We are here in the city of Portland, Oregon, at the Momentum Studios. Spencer, what's going on? I'm doing really good, man. How are you doing? I'm doing good. Doing in great. In the city of roses. City of roses. Rip man, City, baby. We're it's a beautiful here. day out here today. It is. It is. Yeah. In comparison to some of the days that we've seen recently, I uh, am not mad at the sun peeking through. It's peeking out. It's peeking out. Still a little chilly, but yeah. it's peeking out. Well, we're feeling good in here at Momentum Studios. Shout out to Zeb. Zeb does a great job with us every week, just killing it on the audio. I hope you all are enjoying it, listeners, because uh, he definitely does his thing, putting his foot into the audio. But some quick announcements. Uh, starting with the Pacific Boxers, it's Wit Weekend in Forest Grove, mm-hmm. meaning that Friday night, which will be tonight, because you'll all get this episode on Friday morning, it'll be Whitworth versus, or Whitman, excuse me, versus Pacific. Uh, women's tip-off is at 6 p.m. Men's tip-off is at 8 p.m. That women's game is one to really look out for. Whitman's women are number six in the country right now, but Pacific women are not too shabby either, and they're trying to compete. They'll definitely both be in the postseason. In, in Northwest Conference play, the top four teams make it to the conference tournament, and then from there they play out to see if, you know, obviously you get an automatic bid if you win the conference tournament, or if you're having a successful season Pacific is having a successful enough season where they could potentially get an at-large bid, even if they were to lose to a team like Whitman in the conference title game. Puget Sounds women is also really good. So those three teams are, are really fighting it out, scrapping it out to see who's going to end up at the top getting home court advantage during the Northwest Conference yeah, Tournament. It's going to be a nice environment in there. The kid, uh, The students will be back uh, in yep. the gym. Students will be back in the gym. So we're going to be in the building, too. And uh, it's going to be tight. It's they have been putting up monster numbers, and specifically Aguinaldo and yeah. Kovalov. They got a nice one-two punch down there in Portland. You are in uh, Forest Grove, excuse me. Check it out, man. <laughs> go Boxer.com, man. Go Boxer.com. You go check it out. You'll hear myself and Spencer here on the call again. The women's tip off at six. The men's tip off at eight. Now my Saturday is a little different, so. Now that you're all here, I'm doing four games this weekend, so I'm not going to be on here yelling and screaming today trying to <laughs> get my Stephen A on or something like that. It's not it's not this episode. It's not happening yeah, this episode. Cool we'll talk it out. We'll talk it out. But <laughs> the yelling, the screaming, the boisterous craziness, nah, I got to save my vocal course for four broadcasts this weekend. And so uh, Saturday. game spitter. Absolutely. I'm, I'm pushing P, as they would say. <laughs> Wow, that debate has been crazy. That has been a crazy debate, especially for my people back in the Bay Area. If you don't know what we're talking about, uh, 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 ingratiate yourself in the culture a bit. (laughs) Spend spend a more efficient amount of time on the internet. Absolutely. But anyhow, Saturday, there is a 4 and 6 p.m. tip-off. The women's play at four, the men's play at six. They'll be playing against Whitworth University rather than Whitman, who they'll play on Friday. But as for me in particular, I will call the 4 p.m. game for Pacific women 
And then I'll have a fill-in for the 6 p.m. game for, for Pacific Men because I got to drive on down the road and right. call the Portland State game that night, 7 p.m. tip-off at the Viking Pavilion, a beautiful facility to show up at and watch games, whether it be with your friends, your family, it doesn't matter, good quality Division One basketball. They'll be playing against Sacramento State. Currently on a two-game win streak, getting ready to play again in about 40 minutes from right now as we're recording here. Um, but, yeah, it'll also be on ESPN Plus, of course. So tune in on ESPN Plus if you can't make it down to the Viking Pavilion. So, again, I'll be calling the women at four against Whitworth on Saturday. I'll obviously be calling Pacific women and men at 6 and 8 p.m. against Whitman tomorrow. But uh, I got to go to Portland State and call things at the Viking Pavilion and, on ESPN+. Plus. So tune in. And make sure you follow him at Pounce underscore Station so you can critique <laughs> all of his performances in this four-game streak he's got this weekend. Yeah, I got trolled, man. <laughs> I saw this thread. And listeners, if you don't know, go check out Devon's Twitter. Oh, no, don't check out my Twitter. I didn't repost it. I didn't engage in it. You just got to go find it. You got to go surf the internet or or the Twitter. Well, there was a very funny exchange that you definitely got to check out. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It was, uh, I'll just talk about it a little bit. I don't care. I I get a lot more good messages and good responses back than bad. Just a few days prior, I had an opposing team's fan tell me how Matt and I were the best broadcast in the Big Sky Conference, the best broadcast crew, and how I bring so much juice to the broadcast, so on and so forth. You get a guy, you get a lot of love. You get a lot of love, um, when doing a, a thing that I'm fortunate of being able to do, going out and calling games, so on and so forth. But I did have a troll, um, it was some barstool guy and really it was more so some other guy who just follows bots and posts like college basketball clips all day long and long story short there was a mistake made by an official and due to the mistake being made by the official there was some confusion it was a late game scenario both teams are like all tied up and essentially um that was Southern Utah that night. I'll do so many games. I got to remember which team they were playing against. Playing against Southern Utah that night. They hit a three with about four seconds left to tie the game. And their coach didn't signal timeout on the replay, but the referee heard the coach call timeout. But they had no timeouts left. So you know what that means. Technical. When, when you have no more timeouts right. left and you call right. a timeout and the referee blows the whistle and signal, signals timeout just to find out you have no more, the other team gets to shoot technical free throws, would have been which would have been a great case scenario for Portland State because it's a tie game. It's four seconds left, really like 3.9 or 3.7. They're going to go shoot free throws and get the possession, right. put the game out the way, Portland State wins. Long story short, the referee rescinded his call and said that he didn't know what he heard and it was an incidental whistle. He just did the wrong thing. And if you saw on the replay, because obviously they're reviewing up there, there was no timeout signal called from the coach. And I could see that on the broadcast screen that's right in front of me, you know, because I got to be able to see the replays to comment on it on the broadcast. And then I asked a question about, whether or not the ball would be advanced, because right after that, Portland State did end up calling a timeout. The ball didn't end up getting advanced. 
Um, so basically, it was just some rule book guys saying I didn't know the rules, so on and so forth. It's different rules in men's and women's, which I do broadcast both, by the way. But also, I never said anything like definitive in regards to what the rule was. I asked the question about the rule yeah, on the broadcast like, to my broadcast right. partner. Who had and, the information and then immediately transferred it to the audience. Right. And it was just a smooth everything. Yeah, dude, but that's how it is, man. Absolutely. The, the clip, what, what they didn't get on the clip is that there was a whole scenario that took place where the officials made a mistake, and I'm trying to understand what the final decision was on the mistake that was clearly made by the official. Right. And that wasn't obviously in the clip. But again, it really wasn't anything bad. It was just, you know, trolls. And then you got the guys coming on with the bots talking about um, I, I should be ashamed of myself and there should be <laughs> other broadcasters that would love and aspire to do this job. And why is this guy getting an ESPN check? So on and so forth. But again, it comes with the territory. Yeah, that's just how the game it, is It played. doesn't affect or impact me in any way, shape, or form. So no, I didn't respond to it or anything. But just it might have been my well. You I'll say this for a more effective time, man. I've been trolled before. I've definitely been trolled before, spend, especially in radio. I've been trolled before, but it's been a little while <laughs> since yeah, people I spend their time on the internet with just the worst ways, man. Yeah, no, nah, it, it was funny. It was really more funny and humorous to me than anything. I laughed. Um, yeah, so yeah, it, it was, was definitely humorous. But again, I get post, shown so much more love because than he posted, not. Because he posted, his, he cited a rule that was for the women's league. Right. And then somebody underneath just said women's. Yeah. <laughs> that was one of their comments. Like, yeah, uh, and right I'm there, calling bro. a men's game. That's ah, funny, man. Yeah, but it, it was funny. It was just all comical, in my opinion. Um, and again, if you ain't got no haters, you ain't popping. <laughs> if you ain't got no haters, you ain't popping. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. Tom yes, Brady sir. retired, Spencer. Yeah, he's the great. He retires as the greatest football player on paper, like I mean, ever, right? Yeah, for sure. I, I, I try to qualify. Greatest it, but of really, all time, like, football player. He's the greatest football player of all time. Point blank, period, hands down. I didn't necessarily like the way he went out, and I'm not talking about from a football perspective, but his announcing, his announcement, excuse me, got kind of tacky. Um, it was reported, I believe it was on Saturday morning that it got reported. By Adam Schefter, who obviously is Adam Schefter. There's yeah, not much more to be said about that. In. Super duper trooper football NFL insider. <laughs> um, but they reported it over at ESPN that Tom Brady was re retiring. We hadn't heard from Tom Brady. Tom Brady never made a statement to that point. But clearly somebody in Tom Brady's camp, either A, there was a miscommunication there and they leaked that information, or B, they just spoke to the wrong person thinking that it wasn't going to be announced, i.e. Adam Schefter. But usually you have more than one source that can confirm that for you. So it had to be multiple people. So I think it was more so an issue with his internal camp because later that evening or later that day, his father went and spoke to a Bay Area newsroom and told them that, Tom hadn't made a decision yet, and he didn't make an announcement yet, but clearly, you know, it was leaked that he did to some pretty credible sources, I mean, from some credible sources and also some credible journalists that put it out there. And so Tom obviously waited until Monday to actually make his announcement on Instagram. But That's the only source that matters in this kind of thing, is the guy that's deciding to retire. 
Yeah, so but that's why that I agree with you. But that's the reason why I wish that his retirement announcement didn't get so messy. Well, the messiness that people are feeling, at least on the internet, is Patriots fans are saying, "Oh, why did he not mention us by name in his, you know, initial posts about his retirement?" And I don't know if he's. Uh, uh, I think it was either today or yesterday evening. But he posted, Tom Brady posted this like highlight reel of his uh, accomplishments. And obviously, a lot of them are going to be Patriots highlights. Right. And he, in the post, he goes, I just want to thank all of the people that got me here. And then again, in caps, all of the people. And it's like, (laughs) you're still not going to mention the Patriots, bro? Well, the thing is, he plays for the Buccaneers. Like, I don't really have a problem with play for any team now. he, He, of course not. But what I'm saying is, prior to, announcing his retirement he was a tampa bay buccaneer sure so the only team that he had to mention or acknowledge was the team that he actively played for and was announcing i will no longer be playing for you or anybody else so i didn't really think it was a big deal that he didn't announce the patriots or didn't speak to the patriots in his announcement i understand where some feelings might be hurt from that because all he accomplished with the patriots but he was a member of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and that was his obligation and his responsibility to speak to and announcing, yo, I'm not playing for y'all anymore. Right. That's just okay. what it is. I get what you're saying, but I also think that Tom Brady must have known and had and been cognizant of the fact that when I make this announcement, it's going to break the internet and feel like... You know what I mean? I would agree if what happened Saturday didn't happen. In that it got leaked. And then it got leaked because I would have assumed that Tom Brady's retirement announcement wouldn't have got leaked because it's Tom Brady. But once I saw Saturday that his announcement got leaked, everything else just tells me something messy went on internally with his team or his camp because he should have been the first person to announce that he was retiring, whether it be with a social media post or whether it would have been a highlight reel or whatever he would have decided to put out there to say, yo, I'm done, I'm retiring, it's over with. That shouldn't have got leaked to where his dad is now jumping in and he's having to talk to the Buccaneers organization and tell him he hasn't made an official retirement. But we all know you're retiring now. And the the sources were so credible. I'm watching Kentucky versus Kansas on Saturday, college hoops. And during the halftime show of that game, they brought Adam Schefter on because this was a breaking news segment. And they asked Adam Schefter during this halftime segment, obviously to speak about Tom Brady's retiring, his legacy, so on and so forth. And Schefter acknowledged that, you know, there are people saying that the reports are false, the reports aren't true, but we're standing on the report that Tom Brady is retiring. So they knew it was happening, and then less than 48 hours later, or 48 hours later indeed, Tom Brady retires. I mean, didn't you think that you knew it was happening when he got bounced? <laughs> I agree. I agree. I mean, wasn't it all pretty obvious at that moment? I, I agree it was obvious at that moment, but we're still now talking about professionalism from a journalistic standpoint and obviously they can stand on what they reported because that's what actually happened and whoever was in Tom Brady's camp that 
couldn't hold water or keep leaked, it together it to leak that he was actually retiring when he was. Because it's an incredibly juicy story. To be incredibly juicy. Anybody is going to jump on that. Absolutely. Yeah, he's going to retire. But yeah, because it's that juicy, it should have been protected better, in my hey, opinion. You know what? I think Tom Brady should have. I think, again, I think that the only credible source and the only credible responsibility to that sort of situation has to fall on Tom Brady in a way. And I'm not criticizing. Yeah, him, and whoever it was that leaked that information sure, better sure. hope they'll be a part of his future endeavors. Well, they, well, they probably won't. You know? <laughs> My point exactly. They probably won't. But they I mean, better hope for it. I, I was just curious what you thought about you know his continue because I mean he basically they teed it up for him to be like just mention the par- the Patriots by name, which is the most like. <laughs> petty way of of trying to petition to this guy that you laud as a hero to be like, oh, man, you didn't mention us by name. Like, it's just – I can understand I, I agree it. with you, too, but I agree with you. On paper, his only professional responsibility in right. his announcement was to the, the people Bay that Buccaneers. are signing his checks. Right. At that moment in time. Right. But Tom Brady knew – the impact socially that that announcement was going to make. And he knew that he must've known that. I mean, maybe not, maybe his team, as we can see now, isn't as put together as you would think it would be for the greatest of all time. I'm saying in that his PR team even is lacking. That's what I'm saying. And that's where I think it kind of makes it hard for me to go all in and say, he was intentional in not mentioning the Patriots when he probably was just trying to keep things purely professional, especially because of the messiness prior. So now I already have had to cover up to the Buccaneers and tell them I haven't made a decision yet when you obviously have made a decision. And now I have to, in this retirement announcement, sort of clean up the messiness that's been going on for the last 48 hours. And the Patriots didn't really have anything to do with that. In particular. So I I understand where some feelings may be a little hurt because of all that Tom Brady accomplished as a Patriot. If I'm Tom Brady, I assume that I would have acknowledged probably every city I ever played in and every organization that I've ever played for having a career as he's had in that league. But it didn't make him wrong. But I understand why fans could feel some type of way about it. I mean, maybe there's a possibility that there's like some sort of bad blood or something left on the table between his relationship with the Patriots. I think, dude, that could very well be true, dude. I think, I think that there is a very telling moment in the way that we're looking at and players are talking about the status of the organizations that they play for. I don't know if you noticed this, but it's not even that. Tom Brady necessarily mentioned the Buccaneers really either. Yeah. He he was just kind of, I'm retiring. And I just But he feel, did mention him. He did he mention did, him. He did. Again, because it's his professional responsibility he had to. to do so. Absolutely. But was it his professional? It, it could have been a professional courtesy to be sure to be like, oh, yeah, and the Patriots where I got five of them or six of them or whatever. Yeah. You know, but he didn't. And I think that that's an interesting, you know, thing to know. Very much so. Very much so interesting. And I do think that there, if I had to just make an assumption, yeah, there's probably not the greatest of blood between Tom Brady and the New England Patriots. And I think he shoved it to him when he went to Tampa Bay and won a championship in Tampa Bay. One. So he's retiring. That, that might be his favorite title is the one that he won in Tampa Bay. Without Bill. And he won six of them with Bill and the New England Patriots. 
Yeah, I mean that Andy, Tampa Bay one might be his favorite yeah, title he ever. He had Gronk with him. He had Gronk Man. with him. He brought AB out. Like, yeah, I mean, I, like and that was a, he uh, went and created a whole. And yeah, it was, was with the Buccaneers, sure. who wasn't like the greatest of franchises no, in the NFL. It wasn't like he went to a team that was already stacked, as if kind of like some would say a little bit for Matt Stafford going to the Rams. Matt Stafford has been on a shitty team all his career, obviously, yeah, with Detroit. He so he deserved, exactly, <laughs> he deserved to go play for a stacked a team, team like the Rams. Yes, but Tom Brady didn't just jump ship like we often see in leagues like the NBA to a stronger program or a team that already has established themselves as a winning organization, and now you're just kind of trying to take it all the way over the top because you know with you there, it's essentially impossible for y'all not to win a title until it actually happens and somebody beats you and you don't win a title. But on paper, it's virtually impossible for you to go play with these groups of guys and just go win it all the way Brady did with the Bucks. But he brought a squad over, and there was obviously pieces in Tampa Bay already. You had the Mike Evans and so on and so forth. But, like, yeah, Brady came and flipped that. Yeah, he did that. He flipped that. Because he's the greatest of all time. He's, he is. He's ice cold, <laughs> ice cold Brady, man. And I can't wait to see what comes next because he is going to have – I mean, he's got to have some sort of, like, all the fanfare and the media fare that's going to happen and – uh, championship games for seasons to come. Like, this, Tom Brady's not going anywhere in, like, the football mind, you know? Oh, no. And so I just can't wait to see, like, the moments where he's, like, accepting. Well, he's the bar, <laughs> so he can't go anywhere. Beyond whatever great things he does beyond his career, but the do, fact that he's the bar, his yeah. legend. Yeah, he knows that it's good to set it there now. But yeah. I guarantee you, he's looking down the pipe going, damn, there's a lot of really good quarterbacks. Yeah, good but I don't know if any of them can get seven. He no, put maybe that, not seven. He but, put that thing out far. But, he's not, but he knew he wasn't going to get another one. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I, I think I think he knew. I just don't I think, think it was worth it. He set the bar so high, and he set the number out there far enough to where it's like, if somebody eclipses me, so be it. <laughs> so yeah. be it. It doesn't even matter. Like, I'm the GOAT. I can sit here and say in my lifetime, I was the GOAT, the greatest of all time. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. You can't even debate it. Yeah, I'm going to miss watching him play. I know people hated him, but I liked watching him play. I hated him, obviously, when you think about stuff like the tuck rule and, and being the Raider fan that I am. I obviously didn't like that. Um, what made me kind of side with him in some instances is I'm a Bay Area guy. He's a Bay Area guy as well. So seeing a kid from the Bay shine to – the the status of ultimately becoming a goat in the way that he did, I, I I'll always represent you know in that regard. I called him Bay Area Brady, but <laughs> again the Tuck Rule definitely left a bitter taste in my mouth <laughs> after you know that all took place back in the day. But yeah, he's the goat. Congratulations to Tom Brady. Enjoy retirement. Enjoy your family. Enjoy your wife. I know she pushed you to do this. <laughs> I know she she wanted you to be done, and you earned it, and you deserved it, and, and you're the goat. Um, we got to go to this Brian Flores situation. Um. Many people probably have heard about it. This has been the hottest NFL news. Like, kind of kind of quieted down the fact that the greatest NFL player of all time even retired. Better yet, that we got a Super Bowl coming up in a week and a half. Yeah. Like, this lawsuit is a major one. Brian Flores, he was the former Miami Dolphins NFL coach, filed a 58-page lawsuit. Um, he alleges discrimination in his head coaching interviews with the New York Giants, uh, the Denver Broncos, and in his firing from 
uh, Miami Dolphins. He also claims that the owner, Stephen Ross, offered him 100k for every loss during the 2019 season. Basically, the tank try to be able to get the best draft opportunities, which that is all the way foul if that's true. Um, Bronk, he said. The Broncos executive showed up an hour late, and I think he even mentioned that uh, they got super drunk the night before. John Elway was drunk the night before, came to the interview an hour late and inebriated. Like, it is some heat in this lawsuit. It's some heat in there. I don't think anyone's surprised at these allegations, for sure. At, at all. all. <laughs> <laughs> at all. But, uh, you know, you know what they're going to do, man. They're going to try to spin it and say that he's just disgruntled because he didn't win and he got fired. Yeah, but what makes it but hard. He's, he's airing it out, isn't he? He's airing it out, one. He still was a candidate for other jobs. So he did this while he still has action at being an NFL coach. But that Bill Belichick text thread was not okay. Dog, that's why I'm saying that was humiliating. Just like I can't say shit about these guys right now, man, because he knows what's coming down the pipeline. Very true. That I didn't connect. That's what I've been thinking this entire time. That I didn't connect. That it's been going down because Brian Flores is letting both barrels sing right now. So basically, just to paraphrase and give you a, a brief synopsis of how the text conversation went with Bill Belichick and Brian Flores. Bill Belichick congratulated Brian via text for getting the job with the New York Giants. Brian hadn't even done his interview yet. He was slated to do the interview three days later. Who actually Bill Belichick meant to send it to was uh, his name was Brian. Brian as well. Ah, uh, God, God, I'm forgetting the last name. Hold on one sec. Brian Dabble, who I believe was with the Bills. He was with the Bills prior, and. Both of them were once assistants for Bill Belichick in their career. So Bill Belichick means to send this text message to Brian Dabble, but he sends it to Brian Flores, who hadn't even done his interview yet. And so when Brian Flores asked Belichick, like, yo, um, did you mean to send that to me? And Belichick basically said, my bad, I fucked up. That was supposed to go to Brian Dabble. Mistakes on me. But now how am I supposed to feel that you're already – you're Bill Belichick, first and foremost. Let's start there. Probably the most powerful head coach the NFL has to offer. Got relationships out the yin-yang, and you already know who's getting a job for a position that I'm already scheduled to interview for but haven't yet? Woo! That would make me feel some type of way. Especially because – of the other allegations that he's levying. Exactly. Being like, oh, there's like real deal tampering going on in this league yes. in a major way. Yes. And I somehow got caught right in the middle of this thing. And now all of a sudden, and, I'm fired. And here's the reality of it. We are not far enough removed from Colin Kaepernick for this to help the NFL in any kind of way. Well, this is what I was trying to talk was what I was talking to you about earlier, man. It's like the ideas, this ideal is baked into these institutions. Yeah. There's it's clear cut that it's not even necessarily, I mean, you can't really pinpoint one person to say, "Well, this is where it's coming from, this tampering and this uh, uh desecration of the of the the game and just treating of people 
it's just in the system, man. Like, how is Bill Belichick knowing who's going to get hired for his competition? Yeah, who he's ultimately paid to play against. Yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense if you're a guy like Brian Flores going. I'm that's just trying to you, get ahead. That, that's what you call good old boys club, man. Man, <laughs> that's, that's the that is the exact definition by way of an example, not a dictionary definition, but that is the exact that's a perfect example of what folks mean when they say the good old boys club. Because obviously that could be taken every which every which way. But ultimately I think Flores is absolutely courageous for doing it. I wouldn't bet on him ever having a job in the NFL again. again. And the reason why is because of the arrogance of the NFL. And we obviously have seen that arrogance play out in that case with Colin Kaepernick, who could have gotten another NFL job and never did. So Flores is certainly putting his career on the line in that regard. But if it changes up, what you mentioned is already baked into these institutions, especially when it comes to the minds and hearts of these owners in particular, if I had to be more specific, because they're ultimately the issue in all of this they can they can change what they want to change they're clearly the string pullers they're clearly the string like pullers evidence. here there's evidence to suggest that exactly i i want to give flores a bunch of credit i can't wait to see what else comes out I, I i'm interested to see what can be discovered by this case as well as we've seen some discovery take place during the entire john gruton situation I think we haven't even gotten to that point of discovery. And there's just clear-cut statistics to show that what Brian Flores is suing about, ultimately it being discrimination, it supports— has validity. It has a lot of validity. The evidence and the statistics and the numbers support his claim. And, and you know that's what sucks too, because it's like he's just he, he looking he's looking a lot like the first through the door, which is great for somebody to do that, but. You know what are you gonna do, man? The general consensus is ownership is the is the where it needs to change for you start to see, you know, the system shift. Yeah. But how are you gonna shift ownership when these guys are all text thread on text each other's text thread? Yeah, you know what I'm saying, like so locked into each other. That yeah, it's too it, you know intertwined. I mean? It's it's too intertwined, and so that's what I'm. I, I can't wait to see what gets discovered from this case. I. I don't necessarily care. And what I mean by care is I'm not necessarily invested in the winner and the loser of this particular case. It'll probably settle, especially when you're dealing with the NFL and, and the rich owners that, that exist in the NFL by way of the NFL who own teams in the NFL. But I am inter interested to see if we can just get more information, more data to support the numbers and to support what we all already know. We all know what's going on with the NFL. Bro, like nothing a, like is a, a surprise here. A conspiracy, dude. I mean that's I just want to hear this. how how much more is it gonna it literally, take? <laughs> like, literally by definition, these motherfuckers are conspiring against and for people. Yeah. It's like, come on, man. In a league with 70% of the league is black players, is it's just a lot that I want to see that that's gonna get discovered. I that's ultimately want to really find out two things. One if that owner was really did offer him a hundred thousand dollars to tank games, gotta go. If he did, yeah, he gotta to go. Removed. Two, I want to know who Bill Belichick got the information from in regards to how he knew Brian Dable 
got the job. Right. And it must, I want to know who Bill Belichick's sources were. Yeah, he must have felt very good about it in order to, to send a text. For sure. So, he, so it must Not be Not knowing what he, was on the other end of that text. Those, <laughs> those are two things I'd like to know myself. I, I, I want, Those are the two main things I want to know because well, to me what? it'll say everything. Well, you know what? The NFL has proven thus far that they know how to – uh, tap into people's text messages and email threads and, and get that information. So well, well, the there, other thing is the NFL is they, taking off. They should be able to be to get it, and they're taking a heart. They they kind of have put themselves in a position to have to do that because they're taking such a hard stance against his lawsuit. Like they're like, no, he has no ground to stand on. None of this is true. We have we have operated the way we're supposed to. These organizations have been responding back, and it's a hard no. It's not a okay. Let's look in. We'll look more into it. And obviously, buying themselves time to try to fight a case <laughs> and and maybe evidence. or bury evidence. Uh, you know what I mean? Like they're just coming right out and like, nah, man. And to me, like I said. That response alone is arrogant. Even if it's 100% true and, and they, they're 100% correct about what they're saying, because of all the other trauma endured by way of their system and what's baked into it, as you say, they should at least have common sense enough to have a better statement than that, in my opinion. In my opinion, but I mean that's the that's like the standard operating press response. We vehemently deny all allegations, and so and so that is fast. Gonna, we're going to continue to, but that's what they do. That's I mean, what they do because they're arrogant. Because they it's arrogance. Because they know that they got they got some capital. They got some capital to be able to fight this thing to the bitter end. Of course. And nine times the out of ten, it'll end. Nine times out of ten, it'll end in some type of a settlement. Depending upon how quiet Brian Flores would like to stay throughout the entirety of he already went and did a twenty minute interview on Get Up on ESPN. Oh, he's putting it out there. He's laying it on the line. I'm talking about after that money, after that settlement money comes in. Yeah. Okay. Let's. Yeah. Well. Well. Speaking of that, it's it's actually interesting to see. Um, you got Colin Kaepernick and Spike Lee doing a new docu series on Kaepernick. Uh, for ESPN and Jamel Hill is a part of it, which is super dope. Producing, just she's part of producing. I'm, I'm sure to some extent. I don't know if she'll be any doing any kind of hosting, narrating anything like that in the oh, docu series as well. But I know she is a part of this project with them. Um, you've got Angela Rye just came on as a special contributor for ESPN. Like you're starting to see. This genre that we talked about this back when we had Dave Zyron on this podcast, this genre in journalism, which is fairly new, this intersectional genre, which you often hear right here on the Wake Up and Win podcast, it is starting become to become like titled positions now for publications, for broadcast companies, for journalism organizations. This is becoming like a thing, like a special correspondent to cover race issues. And we've seen it. I'm not saying this is the first time, but what I'm saying is we are starting to see an increase in the popular in the popularization of this just being the norm. And I love it. I love it. And this was great timing for ESPN to have Angela Rye join them 
when this is getting ready to erupt. I don't know if, I mean, it seems like it would be coincidental, but if it wasn't, either way, I don't care. Those types of moves are 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 powerful moves and, and moves that I think should be acknowledged and will be able to give proper context to some of the trickery that we see from folks in power. Yeah, I mean, the timing makes a lot of sense to me in that these sorts of conversations and like making this like an ap- academic sort of instant, like pillar of, of academia. Yes. And just a, yes. of, of public thought. Yes. Intersectional ideas of sports and culture and politics and music and the blending of that together, at least as far as I've seen, it's like a really synthesized purely millennial thing. Yeah, that millennials are kind of the ones that have, or just our generation, you know, are the are the people that have really crystallized these thoughts. And yeah, these ways of talking yeah. about these new ideas. It used to be it used to be all demonstration. Now it's research. Now it's data. Now you can kind of get in your well, political science. All of those scientists demonstrations back. produce that. Data absolutely, that absolutely, can, absolutely. But and, I'm saying there was a point in time where there was a, there'd be a demonstration here, there'd be a demonstration there, there'd be a demonstration there, and we weren't able to compile it in a way that it's being compiled now. And again, like you said, we have like it's baked into academics now in a real way. And that's what I like to see. Because again, when we talked to Zyron, he was like, yeah, you had all of these historic events, but even talking about his particular book, the Kaepernick effect, he was like, there weren't stories from people that were around, you know, the, the 1968 putting up the fist during the Olympics that were documented in regards to what they went through being in that actual time period. So now you fast forward to a scenario like Colin Kaepernick and there's so many people around it. There's so many young kids that are demonstrating at the high school levels that were never even thought of back in the days when they were doing the same things as there were other demonstrations happening, now we get to speak to how it's affecting and impacting the youth. So now we get more right. youth data. Now we're getting we're just able to compile so much more data nowadays because guys like Dave Zirin, who is kind of a pillar, at least when it comes to the sports and politics, intersectional coverage, not the fact that they intersect, you know, as industries, because they obviously do, but the fact that it's being covered in the way that it's being covered now, and we are compiling more data and information and analysis on all of this, it's it's a powerful time in that regard, man. Well, and, like, and, and to echo again what you were saying, like, that it, there's a creation inside of this intersection where because there are there's more data and there's more uh reference points yeah to center around these discussions it makes them meaningful you know we talked about it on this podcast before like you can make anything matter yeah and when people decide to continue to talk about these things that matter to them it starts to create like new jobs in major media outlets like ESPN for Angela Rye or, you know what I'm saying, pick your poison in terms Jamel of... Jamel Hill, who got let go of ESPN, yeah. and now look at how things are or coming full like circle. sitting here doing this podcast. We yeah. Saying, and then, like, and that, that that's a, a possibility, and that's accessible to so many different people. Not all people, of course, obviously, even people who live in, like, the United States. 
but a lot of us, you know, probably a lot of these listeners, I mean, I would say that if you have access to listening to a podcast, you probably have more or less just as much access to creating your own. Wouldn't you say? Yeah, I would agree because you can create it from the phone and more than likely you're listening to a podcast via phone. You can get these. I'm not getting ready to put, put, you know, shout nobody out. Unless anybody wants to sponsor us. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'll get there and they can talk about us and then we'll shout them out. But you definitely create a, you can create a podcast on your phone. I just like to create my podcast here at the Momentum Studios with my guys there. That's just me personally. But you can create it on the phone. Yes, you can. So, you know, that's just is what it is there. I want to switch to culture. Let's get away from sports. Oh, one last thing of football. I got the Rams over the Bengals. That's what I got too. I got Matthew Stafford. Bringing one home and just finally solidifying and people having to talk about how he has been consistently one of the better quarterbacks in the league for the better part of a decade. Hey, I'm going to make sure D-Boy is back here, too, especially if Stafford wins it. Because earlier in the year, D-Boy told me that uh, Matt Stafford couldn't win a Super Bowl with the Rams. And I said, absolutely, he can. I, I wasn't My bet probably then was probably the Chiefs still would win it. But obviously, shout out to swaggy-ass Joe Burrow and, and the guys over there in Cincinnati. They knocked, they knocked the Chiefs off. I'm never mad at that, even though I might have been wrong in my prediction. I'm okay with being wrong with my prediction if it ends in a Chiefs loss. I'm a, I'm a Raider <laughs> fan. What are we talking about here? <laughs> I'm, 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 what are the we talking about here? My enemy is my friend. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> what are we talking about here? Even if my prediction is wrong, oh, you said the Chiefs lost? Screw that prediction. The Chiefs lost. Yeah, <laughs> Why do we care about my prediction <laughs> when the Chiefs just lost? <laughs> Why do we care? <laughs> I thought you said you weren't going to be doing a lot of shouting, bro. You might start shouting about how them Chiefs took All right, all right. Slow down, Turbo. Slow down, <laughs> Turbo. Let me talk to myself and slow down. Versus Anthony Hamilton versus Music Soul Child Day after Valentine's oh, Day. Man. It's going to be a good one. I I I didn't think that they were gonna match up Music Soul Child with Anthony Hamilton, but that they did. I'm excited for it. Uh, me me and a, a friend of mine are gonna sit down and we're gonna watch it. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna decide who I think wins that battle right now. I, why? I just can't. You're no fun. Be, I'll, be, I'll tell you why. Be, well, and you're a singer, so listen, I really want to okay, know from you. Okay, uh, well then, I, okay, all right. L- let me go there then. Let's take it there. This is going to be one of those verses that's that's super performance centric. These are two performers, church kids. They've been up singing in front of people their entire lives. This right. is what they do. And when you get into that verses setting, I even if it's a, a packed audience full of people, or if it's like uh, the Earth, Wind, and Fire. Yeah, 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 yeah. Where it's intimate. Right. These guys are going to perform either way. Absolutely. My, I personally enjoy, and I would say that I throw on music, soul child music, uh, slightly more than Anthony Hamilton. It would be far more for me. In the Hamiltons. But I think that Anthony Hamilton is a better performer Mm. than music, soul child. Mm. And I think that Anthony Hamilton is the exact type of dude that, because people will say, oh, I like music Soul Childs. Because he had more commercial success across the quote-unquote crossover success, which I hate. Anthony Hamilton did. No, music Soul Child. His, musically, yes. I think so. Yeah, musically. Yeah, yeah. And so 
Um, but but uh, but I mean, except unless you discount the fact that uh, Anthony Hamilton has been in a lot of movies. Yeah, he's an actor. That's why I said music. musically. I had to. So, we had to be clear. No, 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 no. We're talking music. No, here. I understand. Sticking to the music. I understand. But I that goes like, into the performance aspect like that he Hamilton's is an actor. Going to have the Hamiltons out, and the band's going to be pumping, and who knows who these guys are going to bring out. And I just feel like if you want to go, if it's a versus, because that's what it is. I, I would give the edge to Anthony Hamilton, and, and, and but I like Music Soul Child a lot. Yeah, I would I say, say this. I think Music Soul Child's music does perform better, maybe, and and that's standalone. About that, dude. that's I that's stand, that if we're talking Hamilton's if we're talking if we're talking twenty records, and, and I agree there. But if we're talking twenty records, I think Music Soul Child has a better twenty songs. Than Anthony Hamilton has. I agree. The difference, though, I agree with you. The band is going to matter tremendously. Also, I agree with you. I do think Anthony uh, Hamilton is going to put more into his performance than Music Soul Child does because I think Anthony Hamilton, A, knows that if he brings in his features, i.e., let's do Jada Kiss with why? Well, Jada Kiss is the king of verses. So if Anthony Hamilton <laughs> brings Jada Kiss out, that's uh, an autumn to do why to perform why it's an automatic it's an win. Automatic and job, so bro. so I that's think Anthony saying. Hamilton can it create just, a better energy I, I by way of so. his performance so, yeah. than Music Soul Child yeah. can. Although Music Soul Child has the better records to me. Some of my favorite songs of all time. Love. Yeah. So many things I've got to Girl tell Next you. Door. Dude, I, I, oh I my listen gosh. to Music Soul Child so much. So beautiful. Oh, my God. So beautiful. The stuff with Mary J. Blige. If, if he brings out Mary J. Blige, they both could. Probably. If I would have knew the girl next door would have been <laughs> Yo, you. Ah, we, music is that dude. We should do. Music is that man, dude. we got to do a versus preview. We got to. Yeah, bro. we might do it for Patreon. Ooh. Might do something like that for Patreon. I'm gonna talk to Zeb today and see uh, go to how creative Patreon. we can get in the lab here. Because I know we can get creative. We I'm can subscribed. get more creative, but you know, um, yeah, I, and yeah, subscribe to Patreon. Wake up and win podcast on Patreon. Five dollars a month. We're giving you exclusive bonus content weekly. And it's been pretty darn good content as of late. So make sure you go and check that out. But yeah, I do think, you know, and and again. Anthony Hamilton's an actor. He knows how to put on a show. He no, knows no. how to perform, and he knows levels to performance ability. But uh, I think if he brings out guests, because I do think he probably can bring out more guests than Music Soul Child can, and maybe even the Music Soul Child is willing to, because majority of music's hits are standalone records. Yeah. He's not. He doesn't got a bunch of feature hits. Like I said, he doesn't have a why. Like Anthony Hamilton has with Jadakiss, like Anthony Hamilton can turn this into a production to an extent that I don't know if Music Soul Child can. But again, I think music has better music. I think that they would be disservicing the show if they didn't do some shit together where they're playing. You know, I think they will on Music Soul Child on keys. And, well, they got a rec. They got song. They got music together too. I would assume they'll perform that. I don't really know the relationship these two dudes have, though. Right. Music Soul Child is so behind the scenes. And I felt like Anthony Hamilton was kind of hungry for this. Like, like I feel like Anthony for Hamilton verses, has been, yeah, I think he's been speaking on it. Like, I think he's got something to prove where music is just kind of so chill and laid back and catch me when you catch me. 
I might have a show every other two, three years. I don't know. Like music just kind of is in his own world. I think you just, he probably just couldn't turn down that bag that comes with verses. And it is, and, and, and I'm not even just speaking the bag from what the verses folks are going to be able to pay him. It's the bag that comes from the influence of verses that'll come from everywhere else too. Cause that's something a lot of people don't talk about, but you got to consider when it comes, whether it be streaming, whether it be business deals, whether it be whatever partnerships, it's all kind of stuff that comes from that versus beyond just the actual check versus is going to cut or trailer. in this example is going to cut to the two artists for just coming on and doing the show. So I, I hope music, but I'm scared. I'm scared, Anthony Hamilton. I, I think I, I think Anthony Hamilton's going to edge this one out. I really, right. I, I I didn't want to go on record and say that, but I'm on wax. I think Anthony Hamilton. Why not, about to man? Murder. It's good. It's music. It's music. And and if Anthony Hamilton doesn't, we'll talk about it. If he does, we'll talk about it. We're going to talk about it either way. Yeah. Either way. On that note, we are going to leave y'all the only way that we know how, and that is to stay woke and, and go, go win. win.